I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown and this Match Day 9 recap. I'm your host, Matt Clark, and I'm joined by Rory Barlow. How are you, Rory? Yeah, I'm well. I was nice and rested and nourished after the international break, and now we've been eased in back to La Liga with six games before we, we get into a sort of a ro- rip-roaring re- week ahead of us, even if I can speak again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, We had um, only six games, once again, two postponed due to players coming back from the international break uh, and not being able to... Uh, play on the on the Sunday because of Champions League commitments. So Granada against Atletico and Real Madrid against Athletic Club was postponed. But the results that we had were Levante Hitafe, both of whom started with uh, new coaches on the bench. That was a pretty uh, pretty hard watch, as we'll hear from Paco <laughs> coming up. But uh, that finished nil nil. And then the Real Sociedad left it very very late, but they did pick up a one nil victory over Mallorca. And then on Sunday, Rayo Vallecano came from behind to keep up their strong home record and recorded a 2-1 win over Elche. Sevilla, they also uh, weren't too impressive, but they got a 1-0 win away at Celta. And then Villarreal, their first defeat of the season, and it came against Osasuna, a 2-1 victory for the team from Pamplona. And in the Sunday night game, the fixture that never disappoints, always delivers goals. Barca, 3, Valencia, 1. And we're going to talk about that straight away. Rory, you saw this game, um, obviously from a Barca persuasion yourself. How do you assess this performance and this victory? Yeah, on the whole, it, it was quite an entertaining start and it sort of burst into life and, and in sort of the opposite way of building towards a crescendo, it sort of gradually got less and less um, fast and sort of entertaining. From my point of view for Barcelona, this was a game I've seen many times before under Koeman and it was better. There were reasons to be positive, chiefly among them Ansu Fati who, although still showing signs of rust, I will say just is so so good in front of goal and once he gets close to that box is lethal. Memphis was pretty good again today. I thought the return of Jordi Alba and Serginho Des really gave Barcelona some width, which is something they've been... Uh, criminally lacking in, in recent games but the issues and the problems that have really undermined them against better opposition and teams that have beaten them so far this season such as the gaps in between the midfield the sort of ease with it, which other teams can sort of run past their defence essentially I, I, I still think there's enough that we saw today to say that this wasn't a great improvement on part of, 
on the part of Barcelona as a team. It was an improvement in terms of players, and yeah, Koeman's, one of his arguments is that when they get players back, they will be better, but that's not enough, and I think they need to be better as a team to actually compete with teams. From Valencia's perspective, I think this is a pretty frustrating game for them, and Gaia said that their plan worked, sort of pushing up high and trying to take the ball off Barcelona at various points. He said it worked for about 18 minutes. And, and I find it hard to really disagree with them. I thought Valencia weren't at their best, their most assertive or clinical, and that really hindered them tonight. But overall, a frustrating night for Bordelas, a pleasing one for Koeman, who sort of, this will release the pressure a little bit more after the international break. And uh, yeah, uh, not much development for either side for me. Mm, it feels like... Uh... The international break came at a good time for Barca. They're able to kind of get that extra two weeks of recovery for certain players, Ansu, of course, chiefly among them. And today we saw uh, Philippe Coutinho come and uh, score again, and uh, Aguero made his debut off the bench late on. So a couple of positives there for Barca fans. Um, just before the game, of course, there was that uh, uh, members meeting taking place uh, where some uh, phenomenally Worrying <laughs> figures were read out, but um, that's still to be resolved in uh, in the coming days and voted on. But uh, on the pitch, at least, it is a victory for Barca, and uh, and they will have to now go and do the job in the Champions League, of which they're still waiting for their first shot on target. But in this game, of course, they did have the three goals, and uh, you know, as you say, Memphis with a goal and an assist, uh, Ansu took his goal very well, and uh, some linking up starting to develop, especially from wide areas. So a few positives for Barca. How are you feeling ahead of this big week then with the Clasico on the horizon? Well, they should beat Dinamo Kiev. And to their credit in this game, they did go 1-0 down and managed to not fall apart, which they have done in other games. They have the players and, and yeah, they, they have to beat Dinamo Kiev. There's just no other way around it. They have the players to beat them. And Valencia, for me, probably a better opposition than Dinamo Kiev. I mean, I can't say that I'm an expert on them, but we shall see. Barcelona's propensity to get themselves into trouble in games against uh, more modest sides is notable. So we'll see what happens. I really fear for them against Real Madrid. I, I don't see a way that they stop their attack and unless they put away all of their chances. I think we could... I think we could see a pretty similar game to what we saw last year in the Camp Nou Classical when they lost 3-1 and they just, they didn't do too badly, but they sort of just couldn't keep up with Real Madrid defensively or in an attack or with the ball. Mm. Yeah, it's certainly going to be a, an interesting week ahead for Barca. Well, now let's hear from another contributor. We're going to hear from Tom Harris, part of our La Liga Lowdown group. And he caught up with Rory to discuss Villarreal's defeat to Osasuna. I'm joined here by Tom Harris of our own parish. It's great to have him in on for the first time. And he's, he's been to El Madrigal, well, formerly El Madrigal, Estadio La Ceramica, several times this season. So we're delighted to have him on to talk about Villarreal this season. How are you getting on, Tom? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excellent. And it's it's been a interesting start to the season for Villarreal. And we've just, I think both of us have just watched 
Villarreal lose 2-1 at home to Osasuna in a really tight game where they kind of dominated the play but didn't quite manage to get home. What were your general thoughts? I always like to sort of just get what stood out to you as opposed to necessarily me. So yeah, what were your thoughts of the game? Um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I think it's a real sickener for Villarreal, to be honest. Um, not just because, you know, the unbeaten runs come to an end. It obviously were the only unbeaten side in La Liga so far. But because the starting lineup today really did have quite a lot of promise. Um, it's the first time, obviously, Gerard Moreno, we'll talk about him a bit later, but he started alongside Dan Juma and Jeremy Pino. And, you know, I was expecting a little bit more from them today. Obviously, Gerard scored that incredible goal um, <laughs> that we'll mention. But yeah, just slightly disappointing and, you know, kind of reminiscent of last season as well. Um, because, I mean, obviously in this game um, at La Ceramica last season, Osasuna also won 2-1. And it was in very similar circumstances where Villarreal dominated the game. And last season, it was a moment of magic from Moncayola. And this season, it was a mistake from Aysa Mandi. And so it just, yeah, slightly reminiscent of last season, which is slightly worrying for Unai Emery, I think, because... There were a lot of points dropped last season, which meant that they didn't ultimately end up qualifying for, well, finishing in a position to qualify for Europa League. So we just need to, yeah, just try and make sure that these kind of things don't happen again, because, you know, it was looking good up until today. And yeah, I think he will be slightly disappointed with how things have gone. Yeah, and you mentioned Gerard Moreno, who scored an absolutely fantastic volley. Really, goal out of nothing, sort of the kind of thing that people pay a lot of money for. He's back from injury. How much of the sort of offensive deficits do you expect him to make up for Villarreal? Yeah, I mean, he was the one bright spot today, I thought. Um, he's not, Obviously, this season, he's not been as blistering as he was last year. I mean, he's got 23 goals and seven assists, I think, last season. Hmm. Um, but it's his first goal this season. I mean, it was incredible technique. He kind of has this very unorthodox technique, does uh, Gerard Moreno. And today, I think, it was a good demonstration of that. He kind of had to contort his entire body to kind of volley that ball. Um, but it just ends up in the top corner. It was a real, real moment of magic. And obviously it, it didn't um, live up to expectations today, but I think this link up with Dan Juma could be very exciting. I think Jeremy Pino is coming into his own this season and I think that could be exciting. And also Chukwese as well, off the bench today. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think as well, with all these new names, I think it does take slightly, you know, the weight of expectation off Moreno. Mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of times last season where he looked like he was really the only player who was going to do anything offensively for Villarreal. This season, obviously, it didn't happen today, but Danjuma has shown that he can step up. Um, Pino has also shown that he can step up. So I do think it takes a bit of bit of weight off Moreno's shoulders. But yeah, I am looking forward to seeing him link up with some of these players that we've discussed. And hopefully, you know, today it didn't quite work out, but I think there is reason to be excited from a Villarreal perspective. Yeah, you talk about reasons to be excited and... Jeremy Pino, probably maybe even the most exciting player in La Liga, sort of breakout player this season. Villarreal have kind of been known as the draw kings of La Liga so far this season. Just before they break, they managed to get a victory against Betis, a sort of direct contender for European places. And you sort of thought, sort of thought that maybe this was the upturn and this was sort of the building block. They follow that up with this defeat at home to Osasuna with Gerard Moreno back. They've also kind of snatched defeat from the draws of um, from the jaws of a draw against Manchester United. Why is it that Villarreal, in your view, sort of seem to come up short in these really tight games where they perhaps could have got more? Um, I mean, I, I do think a large part of it is just concentration. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen that 
twice this season. Unfortunately, both of these times it's come from Isa Mandi. <laughs> but, you know, the uh, the game out there, Metropolitano, where he headed it into his own net in the 96th minute. Today, it was, it was a really poor back pass that just went straight through to Chimi Avila. And again, yeah, you, you look at, like I was saying before, it is kind of reminiscent to last season because you looked at games last season against Elche, for example, they were 2-0 up at half-time, looked like they were cruising and ended up drawing that game 2-2. And it does just seem to be a bit of a complacency thing and maybe a bit of a concentration thing. But it is really hard to pin down because, you know, I mean, you look at today, they had six shots on target as opposed to Osasuna's two and ended up losing the game 2-1. It's just, is there a lack of clinicalness there? Hmm. Um, it's really quite hard to pin down um, because they have been playing some really good football, but they just don't seem to be getting the results that you know match the football that we've been playing. So, yeah, certainly they do seem to have a slightly different kind of men- not mentality to Europe, but in Europe they seem more clinical. They seem to take advantage of when they play well, whereas in La Liga perhaps not so much. But uh, I shall throw it back to Matt on the pod. Thank you very much for coming on, Tom. Uh, if you did and you definitely did enjoy the content there from Tom go follow him at Tom Harris under slash on Twitter Tom with an H um, but yeah thanks very much thank you all the best back to Matt thanks Rory and Tom we're going to take a short break now but don't go anywhere coming up we've got the best of the action from the rest of the match day as well as Paco sharing his thoughts on Levante's new start And of course, we have time for MVP and our moments of the weekend. Don't go away. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Well, 
Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. We've got plenty more still to discuss. I'm here again with Rory Barlow. And let's start with the new league leaders, Real Sociedad, without Mikel Oyatabal, uh, down to 10 men for the entire second half. But they found a way to win and they are top of the table and will be until the Clasico because of those postponements for Atletico and Real Madrid. Rory, how impressive is this Real Sociedad side? Yeah, really impressive. And this was, for me, a victory of faith, a victory of kind of faith and belief in themselves. Because Mallorca, to give them credit, and a lot of people tend to be a bit dismissive of, dismissive of them on the road, and that's kind of fair enough if you look at their results. But they were pretty good, and they really challenged La Real, and especially when Ayn Muñoz got sent off. But Aguatil already has the adversity of injuries to deal with. He's missing Mikel Oyarzabal, who's been getting them over the line. And so just to get the three points and you saw the sort of eruption of the, the limbs in the crowd after that sort of Lobete goal was, was fantastic. And I think that eruption kind of mirrored the kind of how, how big this was for Lariel and celebrating the, the Copa del Rey as well. It was fantastic to see, I have to say, Matt. And you wrote a great piece on it as well. Um, go to Matt's Twitter, go find that. And uh, yeah, what, what did you think of it? Thank you for the plug. Yes, um, I agree. I mean, Imanol himself said it was a triumph of faith. Um, and you're exactly right. Uh, they've been struggling all season with injuries. And you kind of think, OK, they can maybe cope for two or three games without certain players. Isaac missed a couple of games, but Oya Thabal, of course, was there to step up. David Silva, he's missed most of the games. But of course, they've got very good midfielders. Zubi Mendy, Mikel Merino. But you did wonder, without Oyathabal, it would be tough to kind of break down a very solid Mallorca side, especially when it was 11 against 10. And Mallorca will feel they probably should have won this game in truth. But, you know, again, it's, it's, it's almost hard to describe. It's, it's almost intangible. But there is something there in San Sebastián. And the Sociedad are really strong at home with the fans back. And again, it's another uh, Zubieta product, Julian Lobete, with the winning goal. And he took it really well. I know it was a We'll go down as a goalkeeping mistake from Manolo Reina, but it was still a, a really well-taken goal, a kind of incisive pass through to him, and then he kind of beats a man and then kind of side-foots it into the corner. So it was a really composed finish in the circumstances, and as you say, yeah, the eruption of emotion at full time was just was fantastic to see, really. And I think they, uh, they deserve to be leaders at the moment because uh, they've been playing really well, like you say, despite these injury problems and... Europa League games, which have come thick and fast and will continue to do so. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of evolves as we get into the autumn winter. But next weekend, Atletico, it's going to be a huge game. We've got the Classico as well, but uh, Atletico against Real Sociedad is going to be just as good, I think. So, um, yeah, uh, Real Sociedad top of La Liga after match day nine. Speaking of teams doing really well, how about Osasuna? Another late goal. Another win on the road. That's four out of four. And of course, the, the story which everyone, I'm sure I'm right, uh, I'm fair, I'm, it's fair enough to say this, everyone is delighted to see Shimi Avila back on the score sheet in La Liga 651 days later. Rory, just sum up that, that goal and, and Osasuna in general. How good were they? Yeah, Chimmy, you saw him, I, I don't know if there was moisture on his face after the goal, but certainly he, he was rubbing his eyes after it and it was kind of a, a disbelief, a, certainly a release for him. And you, after the match, Yago Barasati came in and gave him a big meaty bask hug after it. And it was very um, it was very heartwarming to see, I have to say. And also soon, I think for many 
people represent a team that people like to see doing well. They're they're fairly um, inoffensive in many ways and lovable in others. For in terms of the game and I sort of discussed Villarreal's shortcomings with Tom, but on the other hand, Osasuna I think really handled Villarreal well in the first half and put put difficulty or gave Villarreal difficulties that they couldn't really get around. Away from home, they do seem to have a great formula of just getting that balance right between sitting back, countering and, and causing enough issues for the opposition. Lucas Toro came up with the goal today, but they have certainly a system and a manager who are comfortable. They know what, exactly what they're doing. Their lineup today looked really defensive, but they also did cause cause issues for Villarreal. And all credit to Hugo Barasate. I think they are the example of a really well-run football club right now. Absolutely. I fully agree. And, you know, on paper, some of their away fixtures might have looked easy on paper, you think. You know, Cadiz away, OK, you can win that one. Even Mallorca, it's a tough place to go, but, you know, you could win there. But then to win away at Villarreal, who haven't lost in La Liga this season, they haven't even been behind in a game until today, to then um, come under that pressure in the second half and then somehow find a winner. Yes, it was a bit of a gift from Mandy, but um, they held on at the end and defended for their lives and... As you say, so much to like about Osasuna. And it's just a great story, really. And, and there they are, up in the top top echelons of La Liga. Uh, so another great feel-good factor story for this weekend. And uh, to continue with that theme, we now head over to Vallecas and Rayo Vallecano. Yet another home win for them. Falcao wasn't even needed today, and they still come up with, uh, with the three points. How impressed were you with their performance? Yeah, you kind of saw Falcao warming up towards the end, just before Randy and Teca came on. And it was sort of the predictable story that Falcao would come on and get the winner. But as you said, it didn't need him. Randy and Teca came on and almost immediately swiped home a really, really nice goal, it has to be said. And Rayo Vallecano, I think they're playing, I think I tweeted about it, how they're playing with like the, exactly the right amount of confidence and bite. There's aggression to their play, but there's also plenty of style. And most often when teams are sort of sat back, there seems to be a, a tendency or temptation to really consider what a team is doing. If, if Elche, for instance, were sat back in their half, Rayo wouldn't slow the tempo down at all and sort of the, the attacks wouldn't be so meditated. Everything would be one, two, three touches. There was nothing sort of slow about their play. And they really caused Rayo, as they did with Cardiff before that, prob- uh, Elche, sorry. <laughs> it really caused Elche, as they did with Cardiff, problems in that way. And I think it's perhaps, uh, I mean, it has to go credit to Rayo and Raiola for doing this, but it's perhaps a fault of many managers that they think if the team is sat in in front of them, then they can't, play as quickly as perhaps they might want to if they did on the break. I think most teams, when they're counter-attacking, they play one, two touches and they really go for it. Whereas Rayo do that the entire game and that's complete credit to them. Oscar Trejo, he's just, every game he leaves a few nice touches for you to really enjoy. And and yeah, I thought they were fantastic again, I have to say. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes from Iraola as you touched on there. And especially down the left-hand side today, uh, the two Garcias, Fran and Alvaro, they were just sensational. They just caused so many problems. And you just felt that the goal was coming. It was wave after wave of attack. And, you know, as soon as Nteka comes on, he comes up with that brilliant individual goal. And then uh, Rayo held on. And I thought Elche were decent, certainly first half in this game. They, they, were, they counted themselves pretty well. And in the end, they've come away uh, with a 2-1 defeat. And, and it could have been more, in truth. I think um, 
Rio could have put the game to bed earlier, but um, well, the fans were, were jubilant. Again, a, a more capacity allowed at Vallecas. The noise was incredible at full time. It was, uh, it was like a cup final atmosphere and uh, Rio are going so strong. And um, well, we all tipped them to be very, you know, struggling. I think most of us tipped them to be, you know, rock bottom. But uh, they're proving us all wrong and uh, they're enjoying themselves along the way. So long may that continue for the fans there at Vallecas. Um, speaking of teams which, uh, well, maybe conforming to expectations rather than going against them, Sevilla, they, uh, they went to Balaidos and uh, ground out a 1-0 win. Wasn't that pretty, wasn't too, um, too much in the way of good football, from Sevilla at least. Celta played pretty well, but again, couldn't find a way to the goal. And Sevilla just quietly grinding out these 1-0 wins and uh, well, they're up at the top of the table as well, so they are very much in the title race. Certainly not an entertaining Sevilla like we might have expected in the past, but I don't know, they're getting the job done, aren't they, Rory? They are, and I saw a lot of people praising them for exactly that. The fact that they do manage to grind out these results, and they do they, they do have a sturdiness to them. And Lopetegui, I do think, if they continue in this way and doing the things that Lopetegui asked them to, they will probably get to Champions League, which has to be their ultimate goal this season. That is the sort of bar they want to hit. But on the other hand, if you do want to be ambitious and go for the title, and they weren't far off it, I think they were yeah, one or two players off last season, which perhaps they have now, then you cannot keep playing this way for me. Juan Jordan started in midfield with Ivan Rakitic and Fernando, and it sort of alternated with Nemanja Goodell as well, who was in the centre of defence. I was watching, I took sort of 10 minutes to watch Rakitic because... I was a huge fan of Rakitic at Barcelona, I know he was the butt of many jokes, but I watched him and yes, okay, positionally he was very good, he was in the right place often, but so rarely did he break the lines with a pass, so rarely did he do anything to really improve the moves for Sevilla, and that's okay if you have one of those players, but if you have two of them and Juan Jordan's a little bit more sort of aggressive and forward thinking, that's it's a problem for me and especially against Celta today they were lucky they their goal came from a deflected shot which did come after an improvement through Suso coming on for Rakitic and they were really lucky not to concede Celta on a different day scored three four goals today I, I, it was yeah I, I can't praise Lopetegui for this win when although they did grind out many of these results last season they also suffered against Granada earlier like sort of before the international break and it was games against like this against the likes of even via delete last season at home they conceded in the last minute that really prevented them from being right in the title race and so i, I think you have to ask for a little more from lopetegui to be honest i do agree um there was advocate just to say i think uh, without both center backs uh, kunde and diego carlos having to play Gudel uh, in the back four to then still keep a clean sheet away from home at a ground that they haven't always done too well at is to be admired. And uh, some would say as well that uh, Atletico Madrid have been playing this way for many years and it's kind of the foundation <laughs> a of their success. <laughs> so um, it's, it's very interesting and we'll see how it develops over the next few weeks. Obviously, they've got some work to do in the Champions League. That will definitely also be an objective to make sure they qualify for the knockout stages of that once again. But uh, yeah, I, I do agree in general. We do want to see more from Sevilla. They have the players, they have the... The coach, they have the potential. 
to really entertain and, and, and score some more goals at the end of the day because we know they're solid enough defensively. Um, I think they can, can just be, throw a little bit more caution to the wind at times. So in general, I do agree. But, um, but yeah, Sevilla, they've, they've got the win under their belt, so they'll be pretty content after that result. As for Celta, that's now 38 games under Chacho Cudet, the equivalent of a full season, of course. And they have 15 wins, 8 draws and 15 defeats. So very equal there. And I think the thing, feeling today was that it was a little unlucky to, to lose this game. But um, if they want to kind of reach those aspirations of top half European contention, they're going to have to start picking up some wins soon. La Liga returned after the international break with a pretty unique game, with not one but two new coaches taking charge of their clubs for the first time. And this was of course at the Ciutat de Valencia and Paco is here with me to talk all about that game. How are you Paco? Hi Mr Clark, um, very well. Uh, Good. Even though the game we're going to talk about wasn't exactly the most exciting one. No, it certainly wasn't, was it? Um, so from the Levante perspective, Javier Pereira, he, he kind of uh, came in from, from nowhere, really. There was some rumours that it could be Diego Martinez to replace Paco Lopez, but that was quickly kind of shot down. Uh, so for those who don't really know, who is Javier Pereira? Well, he was the assistant coach for Juan Ignacio Martinez 10 years ago when uh, the current uh, Zaragoza manager uh, came over to Levante and was the uh, hair to the incredible job done by Luis Garcia Plaza, who was the one who saved Levante from uh, oblivion in second division. He was able to uh, get the, the promotion towards uh, Primera and later kept the team in first division. So Juan Ignacio Martinez was already inheriting a very good side. But uh, Jim, as we as we use the acronym over here, uh, just uh, drove Levante to, to new heights and the team rose to new heights because they were able to... Um, actually, in the next few, next few days, we're going to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Levante being top of the league, which is something that you don't see every day, okay? Mm. Um, and that went under uh, Jim's uh, management. So Javi Pereira was his uh, main assistant, okay? He has been uh, very close uh, to him uh, for quite a few years in his career, but... Uh, around six, seven years ago, he decided to fly solo and he has done so in a number of different uh, teams. For example, he was in Watford, um, working in the both in the sports direction and the staff of the first team. Um, he also has spent quite a while in uh, exotic leagues, we could say, and his last um, experience has been in China. He has been for a few years being the the head manager for the Enan Shonjan Longmen. A bit difficult to pronounce because I'm Spanish and Chinese is not my you know mother tongue. But anyway, uh, he did a pretty good job over there. Um, last uh, year, he managed to make the team fifth in the standings. And uh, obviously, Levante thought about him because it's like um, a well-known individual in the sports direction. Yeah. Uh, I actually was quite, uh, um, I don't know, my criticism went towards the sports direction because um, I believe that this coach is the one which the sports direction needed 
but I, I don't believe it was actually the best for what Levante actually needed, okay? Mm. Uh, because it was an easy signing. Um, Manolo Salvador knows him very well. David Navarro knows him very well because he played under his uh, command in, in Levante when he was a member of the, the staff. Uh, also, there's a great relationship with the, with the board, the president. I don't know. I believe that uh, it was a safe or uh, a safe choice or a choice that didn't actually demand Levante to really seek hard in the market and, and try to find someone who was really going to up the ante and in the in the on the bench in the sidelines. So that's the signing. That's the, the all the whole process that went behind it. Um, but at the end of the day, what Levante fans want, want is winning games. Yeah. And uh, in the first experience and the first chance of doing so, I believe that they weren't very impressed about what they saw because it's true that Pereira only had three days to prepare the game. He was signed uh, over one uh, week before, one week earlier, but he took 10 days to get the plane and, and finally get to Valencia because of all of the COVID-19 restrictions. Um, I don't know. It was a weird thing to happen. But anyway... The, the game itself was not the best example, not the best showcase. Even so, um, Levante were able to keep a clean sheet, and that's news, actually. <laughs> also, uh, in Getafe's case, uh, because they had been allowing plenty of goals this season, but again, Getafe had also got a new manager in, in the form of uh, Kike Sánchez-Flores. So, overall, we're going to delve deep uh, in the game in, in a few seconds, but I believe that both sides were too afraid of allowing goals and conceding chances and that's why the the match was pretty pretty boring ultimately yes you, you tweeted awful game in response to uh... it was awful it was i and i had to like watch it through and through 100 percent of the game because i had to broadcast it okay I, I didn't have the chance of you know um get going away to the toilet or to have a, a quick snack no i had to endure 90 minutes of this and uh, it wasn't pretty, okay? It was incredibly frustrating to see two sides with players such as Jose Luis Morales or Roberto Soldado, which was, in my view, the MVP for the game. Arambarri in Getafe, um, you know, talented players. Yeah. Uh, just more worried and more concerned about not losing the, the point, okay? Than going full-fledged forward towards trying to pick up the three points. And and that was the main issue for, for both teams. Yeah, seems to be playing with the shackles on, as you say, scared of losing. In terms in terms of the approach then, did you notice any signs in how Javier Pereira is going to be different from Paco Lopez, kind of formation, personnel? What could you pick out? Well, you could uh, see it in the first half an hour. Um there's a, a saying or a word that we use over here in, in Valencia, which is uh, barraca. Um, that's a very typical uh, construction over here in the Valencian countryside. Uh, and it's usually also used to define those teams who, are, uh, who park the bus at the back. Okay, like if you are barraquero, you are actually parking the bus 90% mm. of the time. Um, and that's the feeling that I got from that first game for Javi Pereira. He chose the Barraquero approach, okay? And uh, uh, the main issue was uh, trying to have as many men as possible behind the ball in most phases of the game. And that's why we had so uh, a so small number of chances 
even if we added both sides. I think that uh, the times of enjoying uh, Levante as a neutral fan are over. Uh, Levante are not going to uh, be no more that fun side to watch, the unpredictable side, the attacking side, the scoring side. That is over, okay? Under Javi Pereira, uh, Levante are going to become much more predictable, which is at the same time much more boring, um, and not be as uh, exuberant when they have the ball. Uh, actually, they lost ball possession in many phases of the game, whereas for under Paco Lopez, most of the time, they won ball possession, especially at home, because they had the uh, initiative, and they were always the ones going forward, whereas the visiting side, the away side, were the ones defending themselves. So, in this case, I believe that under Javi Pereira, both center backs are going to be much more happier, much much more um, supported by the rest of the of the rest of the squad. And actually, we saw that with uh, Beto and, and Mustafi, who did a good, a good game, not a great game, but a, a, a pretty good game. Um, and they were assisted and supported by the rest of the squad because I believe that solidarity and trying to run more, press more, defend more was the main order, and they uh, obviously obeyed. But we are losing an incredible team to watch uh, for any La Liga fan. So on one hand, possibly Levante will pick up more points, especially draws like uh, this weekend against Getafe. On the other hand, we have lost... Uh, an amazing team, an amazing side to enjoy, and that is bad news overall to La Liga. Yeah, it's a shame to hear that for sure. Uh, looking ahead to the next fixtures, it's a, it's a tough couple of weeks ahead. Uh, they go to Sevilla next weekend, and then the champions come to town, Atletico Madrid. And they're on this winless run, which extends back into last season. Where do you see the first win coming from? Well, uh, nowadays I, I believe that Sevilla are in better form than Real. Um, I believe that they are in better form than Barca, but I would say that Atleti are uh, just on top of, uh, unstoppable. So if we add Sevilla and Atleti in the next uh, couple of games, and we add the fact that uh, this Levante is going to be much more defensive than the former one, it's going to be tough. Because under Paco Lopez, by the way, uh, Levante were able to be the the underdog and win this cap this kind of game. Yeah. Uh, before Took four they points beat, yeah, they, they they uh, were able to beat Atleti last season. They were able to beat Real Madrid a couple of seasons ago. Also Barca once again, and they have done so in glorious fashion. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like breaking any kind of prediction, uh, beating all odds, and not only winning the game and scraping the 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 win, but doing so with flair and with style and without giving up their their main traits of identity. In this case, if we add the fact that uh, Javi Pereira has had too little time to work with his guys and that he's going to shift, uh, obviously, all of the focus into the defense and that the uh, changes that are affecting the squad uh, go deeper than only the formation because I believe Javi Pereira is going to try to um, get more involved other players who didn't play under Paco Lopez, okay? And the injuries. Let's see what happens with uh, Roger Marti. He lost the. He, he missed the game um, this weekend because of uh, some problems in his heel. Uh, I'm not very confident on the chances of Levante picking up points against two those uh, two juggernauts as Atleti and, and Sevilla. So I believe they'll have to wait 
to the to the next few games in order to at least get their first win. I believe it will come in Ciudad de Valencia because it's it's much easier to get that at home. Even though, and I have to add that add uh, this mod to my argument, uh, the fans are beginning to grow mm, unhappy. They are not very very uh, I don't know involved and engaged in what the the club is doing at this point. And I believe that is also one of the reasons for Ciudad de Valencia not being, no longer being that magical place where incredible stuff happened. Like the 5-4 against Barca three seasons ago, or mm. beating Real Madrid 1-0 with that Morales goal. The magic has been lost. And I believe both Levante and their fan base should work very, very hard to try to get it back. Absolutely. We all want to see Levante firing again in La Liga. But it could be a tough few weeks ahead for them under Definitely. Well, thank you very much, Paco, for joining us, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Yeah, hopefully the next game is going to be a bit more interesting. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks, Paco. Thanks, mate. Thanks for that, Paco. We'll catch up with you again in the coming weeks. So now it's time for our one of our favourite segments of the week, MVP. Um, the cupboard was quite bare in truth this weekend, Rory, but uh, <laughs> you've got one standout candidate from Rio. Yes, Alvaro Garcia, I was mightily impressed with. He was just sort of a river of creativity down the left. I don't know if that's a very good metaphor, but it's the one I've gone with. Um, yeah, everything sort of flowed down that left-hand side. Him and Fran Garcia were, were excellent together as a sort of tandem. I thought that... Yeah, Elche just really had very little to to sort of counteract that. And the whole game, it kind of came down that side. There was certain touches where the ball was sort of like being flighted across and he would take it down first time, kill it dead, and then sort of go at his defender. And it was almost, it was kind of like watching a really elite football. It was like watching Neymar or something. And all of these footballers are very good, obviously. But he really demonstrated that today. And he really embodied that kind of audacity and the daringness to go at Elche, which is, is why I think Rao were better than them. They, they were more confident and, yeah, had that ability to really put them on the ropes, so to speak. Yeah, we, we could have... We had a discussion uh, off, off mic and we, we had quite a few candidates from Rao, to be fair. I mean, any number of three or four could have been on this, on this nomination. And, in fact, we have gone for two because I, I've insisted that we include Santi Comesaña. Uh, once again, he was just a, a really calming, composed presence in midfield. He, he helped to make them tick, and uh, he, got the, uh, he got an assist as well. So, all very good numbers. And, of course, we could have had, as you mentioned, Fran Garcia. We could have had Oscar Trejo as well. Um, it's, it, Rio have got just so many really impressive players, and uh, they're all performing at a top level. But... But yeah, for, for this week, we'll, we'll go with Alvaro Garcia and, and Santi Comesaña. Um, we've also got a couple of goalkeepers on the nomination this week. Um, not too many goals around this week, and that is in part due to the performance of a couple of shot stoppers. Rory, which one have you gone for? I've gone for Sergio Herrera of Osasuna for, for his good performance against Villarreal. And uh, yeah, let's let's give some love to the sort of crazy men of football, the, the men in the sticks. And... Sergio Herrera, although he was good, I think this is partly him picking up the award for the whole of the Osasuna defence, who really did a very good job against Villarreal away from home. 
the the Garcias, all three of them, Ruben, Unai, and David, were all very good. And I thought that they were just so well drilled. And the one goal that they did concede was a moment of brilliance from Gerard Moreno. There's just no, I mean, okay, that wasn't right in the corner, but there's no stopping that kind of surprise element of a volley like that. So Sergio Herrera picked it up for me as the sort of leader and um, perhaps the best of the Osasuna defence this week for me. Yeah, I think he's a very underrated goalkeeper, to be honest. He has been pretty high level for a couple of seasons now. I'm going to go for Bono. Um, once again, we, we've spoken about how Sevilla were fairly lucky to get the three points. Rafa Mir continued his good goal-scoring form, but as we said, it was a little bit of a fortuitous goal. But for me, Bono was the man that kind of ensured Sevilla kept the three points. Um, the uh, expected goals conceded was uh, over one. So the fact that they came away with a clean sheet is testament to him. Uh, made a good few saves in the game as well, keeping Salter out. So uh, I think Bono was key there uh, for Sevilla to find the three points they were looking for. Now let's turn to moments of the weekend. And uh, mine came quite early, to be honest. And we weren't sure it was going to come at all, as we've mentioned. It was that late, late winner from Julian Lobete for El Sociedad. Just as we've mentioned, that emotional uh, outpouring at that goal. And it just felt like such a important three points um, it would have felt a little bit um, perhaps fair if it was a nil-nil draw but at the same time it just felt like a really important um, decisive moment from Real Sociedad and the fact that it came from another academy product is just an endorsement of what they're doing at that club so for me it's Julian Lobete but uh, who is it for you Rory? Yeah and uh, a sort of very visually pleasing sort of sight from from Julian Lobete there, for me, Jimmy Avila, we mentioned it before, he has to be the moment of the week. His first goal in so long and sort of a, the opposite effect in the sense that he kind of vacuumed the noise out of La Ceramica earlier. It was just, it was so nice to see for, I think we maybe underestimate the human side of football sometimes and you get invested in these stories. And Jimmy Avila, one of the more sort of bombastic and enjoyable footballers to watch has been through such a hard time with two really bad injuries and it wasn't sort of the typical Chimi Avila volley or thumping straight from distance it was cool it was composed it was through the legs and just kind of rolled that into the into the empty net against Villarreal and uh, yeah what a moment for him what a moment for Osasuna who are are flying absolutely and just one tiny final thing to add uh, this isn't from La Liga but it's worth saying a round of applause for Sergio Reguilón in the Tottenham game against Newcastle United this weekend. He acted quickly and decisively to ensure that the, the game was stopped and attention was given to a fan who had uh, needed medical emergency treatment in the stands. So um, well played, Sergio Reguilón. Um, very important and, and worthwhile deed there. Uh, so that's the end of this podcast. Um, thank you very much, Rory, for joining us. Thanks also to Paco and to Tom for their contributions too. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at La Liga Lowdown. Check out our website. We have fresh content every week coming out. And, uh, and that's all for now. But uh, we'll, leave, we'll leave you with that uh, moment of the week from Rory. The return of Jimmy Avila. Over 650 days, two crucial ligament injuries later, he finally scores again in La Liga. Pero se la entrega, se la regala Lucas Gomi. ¡Ojo el Chimi! ¡Ojo el Chimi! ¡Gol! ¡De Osasuna! ¡Vaya regalo de Reyes! ¡Que le ha hecho mande al Chimi!
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.